Greetings to your church this morning in the name of Jesus. It's uh, after a long time, it is uh, good to have you in the house. Um, that I could have somebody to answer me instead of just uh, hope that somebody will be listening. And so. We rejoice uh, this morning that uh, the time has arrived that uh, we felt that we could come together safely as a church. I know there are lots of expectation of a new wave that uh, is coming to engulf the earth. And my expectation is that uh, the new wave that is coming to engulf the earth, it is a wave of the Holy Spirit. For far too long, we have submitted ourselves to the will and whims of everybody else that is opposed to the will of our Father. Whether God has permitted the coronavirus to wreak havoc with the systems of the world, the reality is, the scripture says, um, until John, the prophets spoke, and then there came a time when violence began to enter the church of Jesus Christ. And it is only those that will become violently opposed to every system that opposes the things of God. It is only those that will violently take back what is rightfully theirs. We have sat back and allowed ourselves to be dictated to when we can worship, how we can worship, And then we have allowed ourselves to fall into a lull of just merely coming to church. We have forgotten how to raise Jesus higher and higher. Because the word of God says when we lift him up, not merely our voices, not merely entertaining ourselves, when we lift up Jesus, he said he will then draw all men unto himself. And so today, I urge all of us to begin to stand in expectation of what God is about to do on planet Earth. Not what uh, the restrictions are going to be, but what God is about to unleash upon the Earth. It is only when the vessels are ready to receive the imparted word of God that we will see the manifestation of uh, the things of God that are about to be released upon the earth. Amen? Amen. And so with that, can we just pray? Father, this morning we come to you in the precious name of Jesus. Father God, we want to express beforehand, O God, our gratitude that we could be found together, O God, as your church, ready to express, Father God, our love for you, Not just with our mouths, Father God, but with every fiber of our being. We desire, O God, that even the very thoughts of our minds, God, our hearts, the very words that we would speak must produce Christ in each and every person that we would encounter. Each person, God, that we would speak to. We pray, Father God, that out of the belly, of our being, the very center of our being, life will spring forth because that which you have placed inside of us, God, it is for 
the captives to be set free. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, now. We are going to look at Matthew chapter 11 as our starting point, but I want you, I want you to be reminded that uh, next week, obviously Friday, it is Good Friday, and uh, I am going to revisit once again Exodus 12, but this time we are going to combine it with uh, Acts, uh, Acts 12 as well, believe it or not. Acts chapter 12, we would look at those two together and uh, see then that which God wants to establish on the earth. Because I firmly believe that even as we went into lockdown last year, it was at a time of Passover. And I don't know how many of us began then to take Passover seriously. Not just as an event for some people to gather together in church circles, and uh, or as the children of Israel exodus out of Egypt. But what does it mean for us as a new generation in 2021? What does it say to us? So we'll pursue that next week. But today, I uh, want us to concentrate on us. What are we here for? Or why are we believers? How do we posture ourselves as a new generation church? No longer the church of the charismatic where we came to be happy, clappy, and just uh, had a few people falling down, and then uh, we will be happy ever after we would claim a few things and somewhere along the line we would be successful in seeing those things come to pass. But uh, what substance were we left with? And that is a subject that I believe the church is grappling with. What is my pivot point in the time of lockdown, in a time of uh, forced uh, disintegration of the church of Jesus Christ? Or are we going to be the express image of God in a time of difficulty? But I think Matthew 11 is going to help us to begin to put things into perspectives of how the church ought to behave in a time when things just don't seem to be working out in accordance with that which we have believed in the past. How has our faith been impacted? Our behavior, how has it been impacted? How then should we then begin to see things in the future? Because we've got to understand there's a whole lot of things that church held fast to. It was, uh, if we... Uh, uh, okay, maybe let's read. Uh, I will just highlight some of the things that I sense for the current church of Jesus Christ, how it ought to see itself, how it ought to behave, how it ought to read the scripture. Uh, you know, now I believe that God is wanting, wanting his church to begin to think. 
and not just uh, parrot off scripture and uh, think when uh, I know certain scriptures, I can quote certain scriptures, I can become then uh, the celebrated person who knows all things, but not understanding at all what, what was it that Jesus was uh, impressing upon the people that he spoke to. So uh, Matthew 11 starts off by saying, And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples, he departed from there to teach and to preach in their cities. As though when uh, he impacted his uh, disciples, we are not told what what, uh, teachings he taught them. But it says, when he ended commanding his disciples, he then uh, left left them or he just left the place where he was teaching and he began to go and teach and to preach in all the cities or in their cities. Now, when John had heard that uh, uh, of the things that, that Jesus was beginning to do, he, by, of course, we understand that at this point, Jesus was, uh, at, at his John, was in prison. And uh, the things that, that would conspire to try and decapitate the church of Jesus Christ, the emerging church of Jesus Christ, to put an end to it. Because I do believe that uh, with all the things that are happening around the church, there is that which is beginning to emerge out of the spirit of the living God. It is only those that, that whose ears are open who are understanding scripture and uh, desiring to hear the heart of the Father that are going to begin to uh, be agitated. Even the agitation of the enemy is getting greater, but the church of Jesus Christ is going to knuckle down and uh, not be silenced. And uh, John, then he will send his disciples and say, go and ask him, is it... Is he the one that we've been waiting for? Or should we go and look for the other? And I want you to watch the answer to the disciples of John from Jesus. He says to them, he says, go and show John again. Now show John, it doesn't mean, uh, you know, they had uh, pictures we, they didn't have cell phones that time to have instant pictures where they could go and show. But he, he, was, he says to them, go and reiterate what you have seen. In other words, you cannot be a witness of what you don't know. First, those things that you see, those things that are impacting you, then you can have the authority to go and authoritatively go and tell John about what you see. Watch the next verse. He says, the blind receive their sight, the lame are walking, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf are beginning to hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Now, this has been an anchor scripture for the charismatic church. And that is why lots of people are disappointed in the new era of uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ where the apostolic uh, uh, framework is beginning to, uh, to take root. 
because uh, they are not seeing the mayhem that is, uh, took uh, place in the church where we were spitting on people and they're supposed to be receiving some new revelation. But uh, that is not what Jesus was saying right here. That is not what he meant. He, uh, he says that the blind are receiving their sight. If you read it properly, you would understand that he was speaking of the things of the Spirit. He was saying that even the dead are being raised and there is no way where we are being told that there was wholesale graves being opened up and dead people were rising up. Or that when Jesus was there, we are told of an incident where there was a procession to the cemetery and Jesus raised a young man out of the coffin. We are told of that. That is specific. That had nothing to do with what Jesus was saying right here. He was saying, they are those that are alive that are dead. Those people are now beginning to receive the word of God. I will show you as we go to uh, uh, Acts chapter 10. The word here is speaking about those that were alive whose hope had began, began to fade away. And yes, they, uh, uh, Jesus then will say to them, in answer to all those things, he then uh, he speaks about John. He says, John, uh, when he came, he says there, was, uh, there is uh, not a man like him that has been raised by, by God to come and... Uh, Pave the way for that which is about to take place upon the earth. And, uh, and he, he says this of, uh, because uh, I, and he says, verse 6 first, he says, And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Now why would Jesus say some people will be offended? Simply because they were, there will be things that, that will be done that do not line up with what men wanted to hear. Uh, Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and, had, and have it more abundantly. And uh, life to be had in abundance, it cannot happen outside of Christ. And it cannot happen out of, uh, out of, uh, without any substance. There has to be substance to everything that we will experience in Christ. And in verse 7, he says, And they departed, and then as they were leaving, uh, uh, and as they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitudes uh, concerning John, What did you go out into the wilderness to see? And perhaps the question would be raised to us this morning. What did you come to church for? Did we come together to just uh, renew our acquaintance, go back to our old habits, just uh, behave and uh, be happy that uh, at last we can come together? And uh, he elaborates, I know it, is, it needs a whole lot of thinking to really understand what Jesus was saying. He says, what went he out into the wilderness to see? Did you go out there to see a reed that is shaken by the wind? But what did you go out for to see? 
a man clothed in fancy clothes? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. Those who have, who enjoy the luxuries of life are not bothered with the things of God because they have been well provided for. They do not see beyond the natural. They are worried about how they look. They worried about, uh, are they not offensive uh, to other people around them? But uh, do we bother? Are we offensive to God? How does God view us? Because God doesn't look at the apparel. He looks at the heart condition. And so, and then he says, but what went he out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet. John was more than just a mere prophet. For it is he of whom it was written, behold, I sent my messenger before your face which shall prepare the way before, before thee. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of woman, there has not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John. Jesus seems to debunk his whole statement, all the accolades that he painted about John the Baptist. About, uh, in other words, Jesus, he's asking us uh, this morning, I firmly believe, what do we see when we read the scripture? What is our viewpoint? Does anything change in us to see and view the things that we're reading as those things are speaking to us directly, not uh, um, um, wanting to elevate ourselves, are we ready to elevate those that are around us? We're going to get to Acts chapter 10 just now. And it says, uh, verse 12, it says, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violence need to take it by storm. I looked at some of the meaning of those words and I began to understand that the violence does not mean that we go out in the street and cause mayhem. It doesn't mean that we go and become boastful of uh, I am born again, I am a believer in Jesus Christ. Uh, nay, say, you're not going to do these things to me. The violence need to be in our posture, in our position. Are we going to be able to stand? Should that time come where we need to make an account for our faith in Jesus Christ? Can we violently oppose those things that want to bring us back into bondage again? I am telling you, we need to know the word of God, what it's saying to us and how we are going to receive that word and react upon that word, it is that which is... Can we become violent in the spirit? It's talking about the violence in the spirit, where we are going to learn how to oppose 
everything that wants to violate the word of God, everything that we stand for, if it begins to threaten your constitutional right in the spirit to obey your God, the word of God says we need to violently. I'm not talking about taking up arms. That's foolishness. That is for carnality. Um, by any means, I am not saying if you are being threatened, now you need to say, Shanda Rababa, I don't know. It is up to you at that time. I don't know what a spirit of God would uh, 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 visit you at that time when you are under attack. But I know that God has given us hands. And so if I have to take somebody violently in the flesh and knock some sense into his head, then I do believe that's part and parcel. But as long as my intent is not to hurt the person, it is to wake up. But do not allow yourself to, be, to play the victim. I'm not advocating that we go and just go bashing people around because we think we are the new generation now that is in Christ Jesus. I have become uh, uh, invincible. I am the man that has arrived, you know. Not that attitude. But it is our posture, the attitude in the spirit. If you come and want to violate my right to worship God, to call upon the name of Jesus. I mean, you look at the churches everywhere else where they are being persecuted. You look at the church in Iran. You look at the church in China. They are being persecuted to no end. But I'm telling you what, they are standing violently. Even as quiet as quiet can be, but in their spirit, they are burning with fervor. And they are gaining momentum. Why? Because the enemy wants to suppress. And they are saying, shut the churches. But boy, oh boy, their internal constitution is not shut down. They are wide awake. They are ready to express the word of God wherever they go. In spite of their persecution, in spite of being arrested for the word of God. They say, we would rather... Uh, Go and be in prison because even in the prison we will find somebody to witness to. Amen. So that's a violence I'm talking about. One that is fully determined. That is not going to be deterred. I tell you what, there was a, a few weeks ago, there were just things that were beginning to brew in my, in my spirit. And I, as I began to speak to those things, I began to see the opposition like crazy. I'm telling you, I think there was about two days that that just went into overdrive with uh, challenges, huge challenges. And, and I, I, I just realized that, that it was the enemy just trying to sidetrack me from that which God is placing before me. And I had to really not just uh, keep repeating the same thing, but I had to learn to stand and say, no, that's what I believe God is saying to me right now. I am going to stand uh, on God's word, on the, on the reality that God is able to provide all my needs according to his riches in glory. I can only do my part and God does the rest. I can only give my life to him and say, Lord, I will serve you with all that I have. And uh, 
not going to be holding back her things because uh, I'm thinking of what might be. I am going to think what my God is able to do in my tomorrow when I learn how to trust him in everything. The enemy will always challenge you. Always challenge. When you're beginning to want to make uh, uh, changes in your life, the enemy will bring a whole lot of challenges to try and thwart that uh, change. And you need to become violent into those things uh, that you believe and hold on uh, to them. It says that verse 13, it says, For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you will receive this, this is Elijah which was spoken for to come. He that has ears to hear, let him, let him hear. In other words, God was, uh, Jesus was saying, that which has been prophesied, it doesn't matter. You can put it in jail. You can cut its head off. What was prophesied will come to pass. Amen. And Jesus prophesied that I came that you might have life and have it more in abundance. And so I don't know the situation that you might find yourself in. The reality is you're going to have to stand on that. I'm not talking about, I think we have uh, been standing that uh, if I repeat the same scripture over and over long enough, I will see those things happening. No, our faith comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God simply means when I repeat that word over and over my life, it simply means that I will begin to believe it. And when I believe it, then I will see it come to pass. It is when I believe it, when I live on that word, when I see it, then it becomes the expression of who I am. Then I will see those things come to pass. And it doesn't take a lot, guys, to change the situation around. Let's just look at X. 10. Acts 10, uh, 10 verse 1. We are told about there was a centurion. We are not told much about him. But we are told of his position at that time. I know the Bible says uh, the, there was a, a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called uh, the Italian band. Excuse me. He was a devout man and one that uh, feared God with all, with all of his household which gave much alms to the people, and he prayed to God always. So we understand that this man had positioned himself. I've got no idea, was he a believer by this time, or there was just something that God had dropped in his spirit, because he wasn't a believer per se, because he had to call for Peter to come and speak to him who then would uh, uh, allow him to see things that which he has been desiring. So obviously God had placed a desire in his heart, but uh, this man had uh, some qualities that the church needs today. It says he prayed much and he gave alms. Alms, let's just get that uh, sorted out. It's not your tithes and your offerings, okay? 
Say, arms is not tithes and offering. And so, looking up that word arms, A-L-M-S, it means one who is merciful and giving alms, it means out of his mercy, he met the needs of the people around him. In other words, when he saw a need, he met it. He didn't wait to be asked. He saw a need and he met it. And when I looked at that word, there was one other word that drew me even deeper to this. It says, uh, he showed mercy. He expressed mercy on those that were downtrodden. But it doesn't just uh, sympathetically say, I feel for you, my brother. I feel for you, my sister. He done something about it. In other words, he exercised generosity to all those that were around him. And he, of course, he saw in a vision, evidently at the time and all that, you know the whole story. But what I want to draw your attention to is that this man positioned himself in the town of Caesarea. And he began to influence the atmosphere around him. So much so that he, he drew the attention of the spirit of the living God. And God then will send the emissaries uh, to him. The, uh, the angels will come and begin to minister to him. And say, okay, God has heard your prayers. He has seen your almsgiving. And therefore now he wants to meet your need. There's no way where it says he complained and he said, God, you know, you have neglected me. You know, there are so many good things that I've been doing and you haven't done anything to uh, help me in my time of crisis. In his crisis, he had a, a need for the presence of God. And from that vantage point, he then began to bless those that uh, were less fortunate than he was. And then, of course, he will give, the angels then will give directives as how to get to Cornelius' house. And uh, I need to wind up this here. But in, in, in that time, Peter will explain like this, verse 44. And while Peter yet spoke these words, you can go back and read the words that Peter spoke. The Holy Ghost fell in on all of them which heard the word. Now, there was uh, this man that was, even the whole orchestration of Peter getting to this place, it makes for some interesting reading. It just, uh, for me, it just demonstrated that it can only take one person and God will move heaven and earth to bring the right person that is going to bring you into a right standing with God. The desire of that one person to, uh, to see the will of the Father being made manifest in their area, it wasn't just for me and my house. He simply went out of his house to meet the need of others. And uh, you might say, well, uh, he was exercising works. But his works were not because he needed to be recognized. Because the word says he was moved by mercy. 
He had mercy on what he saw happening to people around him. He wasn't doing it for fame and fortune. He was simply meeting the dire need of people around him. And, uh, but uh, having created that environment, Peter comes on the scene. Peter, yes, he was uh, busy meditating uh, on top of the, on the upper floor of the house. It doesn't say he was praying. It says he was meditating, he was asleep. Okay, perhaps he went to pray, I don't know. But the reality is, Peter was in the right position with God. I'm asking us that we need to now begin to attract the angels of God. Whether they come in a human form or they come as uh, angelic beings, that's another thing altogether. But the reality is when we would grow, draw near to God, the word of God says God will draw near to us. And I'm saying once again, when the children of Israel were in Egypt, there came a time when they began to cry out to God and say, God have mercy on us. And God will move. Yes, it took 40 years to raise up Moses to come to a position where then he can begin to move things. It will be another 40 years again before Moses would come to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. So I, I don't know how long it's going to last, but the reality is I think plenty prayers have been made even against this coronavirus. But above all that, Prayers need to be made. God, we want to draw near to you. The children of Israel, as long as they lived in Goshen, they had no problem with all the plagues that, that took place around them. They were protected supernaturally. All the troubles that uh, the Egyptians had, the children of Israel, were as long as they were in Goshen. Goshen meaning draw near or come near to me. But it had to take even to the time of Joseph. Joseph understanding how the Egyptians thought. And he would say to his father, when you come here, when Pharaoh interviews you, you need to tell him that you are a cattle farmer. And so he's going to put you in that place. But it was that, that place that God had already prepared long before the time came. You go to Goshen. And you go and raise cows. These people don't like cows, so you're going to stay there. They're not going to come and mingle with you. God protecting his church from being contaminated. I don't know where uh, this all, this lockdown has taken us to. Maybe that's why I'm saying to you, maybe there's a, a new thing that God wants to release upon the earth. But it is only those whose heart is drawing nearer to God. They are going to enjoy God's protection. I know many people in the church have died. Many people have contracted the virus. My uh, saying that uh, they have violated anything uh, uh, of God? I've got no uh, idea about that. I can't judge things like that. I'm only telling you what I understand the scripture is saying to you and I this morning. It is drawn near to me and you will enjoy immunity, period. Beside, if we die, we die unto God anyway. So why should we fear death? Why should we fear death? But at the same time, I'm not rushing to get there. You know, I will go at his behest. So will all of you. 
go at God's behest. We are not running to get any place that God has not uh, prepared room for us. But uh, what I'm, uh, I'm saying to you and I here, as Peter began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell. But that now has been relegated to a pastor. The pastor needs to come and lay hands on a person. Then you can receive the Holy Ghost. I know um, the, the book of Acts will unfold all that as time goes on. That uh, some people say, you know, we've only been baptized in the baptism of John. But uh, thus far, we uh, have no understanding that there is another baptism. And so that needed to be explained. But yeah, because of one man who created the atmosphere, who created the presence of God, where the presence of God is, the fulfillment of everything uh, will, take, uh, will come to pass. As Peter says, as I began to speak, it didn't even finish his message. The Holy Ghost fell upon them. And so I understand that it is an environment. It is as we prepare ourselves to be the vessels of honor that God will come and fulfill his will upon us. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many uh, came with Peter because uh, then on the Gentiles also was poured out there's the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so the Jews were, and what? Even the guys that we considered outside of the things of God and now have, they have been brought in, some astonished, some, uh, their astonishment, I don't know, was that of indignation or their astonishment was that of joyous celebration. Did they learn how to halal God? Give him all the praise and the highest accolade that, Lord, and now you are busy making of two, you are making them one person.